Welcome to another episode of Uplifting Conversations. I'm your host, Tucson Bailey. And today I have the absolute pleasure uh, of being joined by Taj Ahmad Eldridge. The word that I keep coming back to is uplifting. I have this conviction based on my lived experience that uplifting people or the planet doesn't have to be draining. It can actually feel uplifting to the person who's making that impact. I, I I was just talking to Taj before we came on about how there's no way I can possibly touch on everything uh, that he's doing. And so we'll we'll get into a little bit of that. And most importantly, uh, we'll find out about uh, the story that has brought him to the place where he is, where he's impacting so many things about people, so many things about climate and, and generally leading and, and uplifting folks, including myself um, in the ecosystem. And so Taj, welcome, brother. Absolutely. Tosan, thank you for this. Uh, I look forward to our conversation and it's been a pleasure knowing you for the last few years, I should say, and uh, definitely looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll give you your flowers real time here because uh, you are, you're one of those folks who, uh, and I think a lot of uh, successful professionals have uh, both formal mentors um, and then people who you just look to to kind of light the way. I'm fortunate that uh, you have become both now, and even before we got uh, directly connected, I was in the VC Include community, trying to get deeper into the VC Include community applying, and I came across you and the way you have moved uh, both for community, uh, for culture, and then what you've done uh, to uplift the planet has been tremendous. And so it's something that I've followed probably much more than you know. I've looked to you as, as a guiding light uh, probably much more than you know. So I will thank you uh, real time and, and and give you your props here for continuing to shine in a way that's helpful to me. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, it's 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 passed down because the same thing happened for me and the mentor who influenced me, I didn't even get to meet. Uh, his name was Reginald F. Lewis. He's a member of my mm -hmm. fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi. He wrote a book called Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? And that's what really motivated me to first get into venture, private equity and venture. And, and so you're right. And there's a lot of times when you have those those mentors who are physically next to you and you have those who are not, but who guide you, by the way, by their actions and what they've done, because that's what Reginald did for me. Uh, no, that's powerful. And, and, and Reginald Lewis has absolutely been an influence of mine, too. I got an got a opportunity to meet his nephew, Russell, and, and have become uh, uh, friends with him, uh, both online and in real life. And so, yeah, no, incredible man uh, who, who absolutely is, is lighting the way for a lot of us still. Um, so yeah. I have the sweatshirt on. So, so we're, we're just talking a little bit about some of the things that you have your hand in, we'll give people a sample. Uh, so Include Ventures, uh, uh, GPA co-founder uh, of Include Ventures, um, fund of funds, doing all sorts of things to uplift uh, people, planet, whether that's through managers, through entrepreneurs, through climate. Uh, you, can, you can talk a little bit about that if you'd like. Uh, doing Jobs for the Future, uh, JFF. Um, and so that's uh, climate solutions and really looking at how we bring the future workforce uh, into climate solutions so that we have the people to match the need. Um, and then uh, Aries, uh, you're working with on Crest. Um, you can talk a little bit about that initiative. I'm going down uh, uh, the resume, just looking at all the things that you've done. I didn't realize you had a PhD. You got you got an MBA. Like I, I was getting ready for this conversation. I'm like, man, this dude got more impressive as I went and actually looked at the formal resume. So, uh, so what has you excited? Now, talk a little bit about uh, the work that you have going on now before we go backwards and talk about how you got there. 
And before we even started, he and co-founder, but here is me and Robinson, who actually founded VC Include. And I've been an advisor of VC Include when she founded it. And she and I met during my days at the University of California. And VC Include has morphed into Include Global, which provides grants to climate-focused funds. We did 10 grants last year, GP grants in the U.S. and Europe. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Include Ventures, where I'm a GP, where we make investments in funds uh, as well as um, uh, direct investments in, in, in startup companies as well. And so that's been re really a pleasure and a joy to really kind of change a lot of things that are happening in venture. Because I remember when I first got into venture in 1999, some of the same conversations we're having now was back then about the lack of funding for people who look like you and I in this space. And, and I just couldn't understand why after 20 plus years that we're still having these conversations and everything has changed, right? Cell phones have changed, computers have changed, technology has changed. But one thing that did not change is who manages the money. And so that's why we decided to start with a fund of funds, which is probably one of the more difficult things to fundraise anything else. Um, and, and as you mentioned, you know, we, we focus on more than climate. So we focus on climate, tech, ed tech, media, and digital health. But of course, we meant for, for the team. And that leads, leads me to JFF, Jobs for the Future. And I was tapped by them to lead their $25 million project with the Aries Foundation, focusing on the intersection of climate and workforce. And, and I saw that because as we were making investments in these funds, as we were getting these investments into these startup companies and climate, my concern was, do we have a true pathway for people to, to get jobs in this space? Not everybody needs to have a PhD. Not everybody needs to have a bachelor's degree to really kind of enjoy what I call green wealth and the building of wealth in, in, in the green economy. And so that's one of the things I'm excited about the work with JFF, which I lead a team called Climate Innovations that's focusing on the intersection of climate and workforce. And then lastly, as you mentioned, clean energy culture. I remember when I was a teenager, I'm, I'm 48 now, um, there was an organization called Red Hot and Blue, or Red, the Red Hot Organization, rather. And they came up with these series of albums, America's Dying Slowly, the Red Hot and Blue album and everything else. And they put these albums out to raise awareness money for the AIDS epidemic back in the eight, late 80s, early 90s. And one of the things we decided to do with clean energy culture is do the same thing. Is staffed and, and led by the producer of a group called the City Girls that some of your listeners may know, hey. uh, Mr. <laughs> Mickey, uh, along with a, uh, a guy who came from the Obama administration, works at the Sierra Club. So it's the intersection of pop culture and, and climate. And again, for me, everything's interrelated because in order for you to get talk about climate resilient jobs and workforce, you need the public to know. What's the best way to let the public know these days is who we look up to, our entertainers, our sports figures, and everything else, especially talking about from communities of color. And then lastly, it's the capital from Include Ventures, Include Global, and VC Include that comes in and really kind of bo bo gives a, a bounce to the opportunities there for, for fund managers and founders. Yeah, no, that that, that is such a, a powerful, uh, insightful uh, piece of the solution, which is like recognizing how much culture moves action, recognizing how much uh, actually black voices and, and voices of color have moved action and have moved uh, uh, the culture of the country and leveraging that yeah. to move culture toward better climate solutions. I think, I think brilliant. Um, I, I, so I would like, we, we talk a lot about, or I talk a lot about uh, in these conversations about not skipping over the hard stuff. I find that uh, a lot of times it's the stuff that that pains us. It's the stuff that we are grieving that really motivates um, the most concentrated, most powerful action. And so I would love to I would love to go backwards and hear 
uh, how you went from traditional finance and, and, and economics and, and, and moving toward this venture community um, to moving into climate, moving into uh, uh, a form of finance that, that uplifts and impacts uh, people um, in the ways that you work on now. Like, where does that story start? And particularly, is there a place of, 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 of pain or, or, or a place that may have not been so bright that motivates that? Absolutely. I, I think I think a lot of times in our life, it's the darkness that gives way to light. So so definitely, that, that's, that's definitely true. Um, the reason why I'm so adamant about the diversity, and when I talk about diversity, it's more than race and gender, it's geographic diversity, and it's even intellectual diversity as well. In college, I, you know, I, we talk about clean energy culture and, and working with the city girls. That's not by happenstance. And, it's, and given it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a rapper. And my parents were like, you're going to wrap your butt to college. And so <laughs> I ended up studying poetry and literature in undergrad, actually, uh, thinking that that would be a pathway for me to both satisfy my parents and be able to have these hard bars. Uh, but when I got out, needs to say, I did not come up with an album. But I had this um, uh, immense, immense uh, opportunity to, to learn how to stories tell. And I understood that, that you know, benefits sell and, and features tell. And so those benefits are the stories that we tell about products and services. And I ended up working in banking. I was at Wells Fargo. And I actually started in a grocery store. Back then in the early 90s, they had us in grocery stores. And, you know, when you go get your pizza, you can go get banking services. So people didn't know what to make of that. But it was exciting for me because it was something new. It was something to, to really kind of break the monotony of what you consider banking. And it really kind of jump-started my career. And, and from there, I went into corporate banking with Wells Fargo. And I spent a total of about 15 years with the, with the bank uh, from, from, from graduation to, to then. And then I went into investment management with UBS and really enjoyed that, that space. And that's when I started meeting a lot of people in the sports space and managing capital for people in the, in the NBA and others. Um, and then that transitioned me into private equity, where I started getting a taste of, of what it means to take the knowledge that you have from consumer banking, from corporate banking, from investment management, and really apply to, to these alternative assets. Mm. The one thing that, that I noticed that was in private equity venture was that it was, uh, you know, I hate to say it, and maybe it was just from I was at, it was more about taking something, breaking it down and making money from their, their, their brokenness. And, and, you know, coming from a place to where a lot of our communities are already broken, I, I didn't really jail with that. And, and venture capital was something totally different because I felt like venture capital took something and it was almost like the rose that grew from the concrete. It, it allowed things to, to blossom where they could not. And so um, my, my first foreign intervention was at the University of California where I led both the accelerator and partnered with the fund there and the University of California Riverside. And, and then I went to Lacey, which is the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator for the city of LA and the county of LA, uh, focusing on building an inclusive green economy, and then subsequently to, to found my firm, Include Ventures. But when we talk about the pain and the darkness, you know, the thing that got me into climate was twofold. The first piece of that is, you know, I used to be a, an investor and CEO of a fashion company. And we started, you know, we were doing a lot of stuff with the NBA and we redesigned McDonald's uniforms. But I start seeing the, the the lack of sustainability in fashion. I start seeing how that was impacting communities in Africa and many other places with the work that we were doing and how it was just detrimental to our communities. So that was the first eye-opening thing. So later on, I invested in a wine company. Same thing. I start seeing how the climate directly was impacting the wine industry. Because what we were doing, we were we were taking it to where 
you know, you had craft beer that was popular with people and, and, and Ciroc and others were popular and wine was losing its, its, its taste because it's still concentrated on the, on the soccer moms and the middle-aged folks. And when we got into wine, um, we, we made it to where it was, it was something hip, you know, Snoop Dogg now has a wine, John Lesnar has a wine, E-40 has been in the wine business. And so it was pretty exciting there, but I saw it firsthand how climate impact the wine industry. And then a little bit later on in my, in my career, something happened to me where I realized that uh, climate is more than just about what happens to industries, what happens to cities. It's what happens to us. Uh, me and two of my cousins, we all got kidney failure from environmental factors going up in Dallas, Texas. And that for me, that led to, to stage five kidney failure. And I was on dialysis. And, and you know, when, when we talk about all the stuff that, that I've done in the last seven years, I've done all that while I've been on dialysis every other day. Uh, sometimes taking call all the time taking call while I'm in dialysis while I'm in the operating room and and I did that because and I did so much I'll be honest with you because I didn't know how long I had and, and my whole thing was you know death is nothing to be afraid of it's something to prepare for and what I was preparing for was a legacy that I will leave behind similar to Reginald Lewis a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do that because they don't know and I felt like the disease for me was actually a blessing because it allowed me to really think about that and do it unfortunately two of my cousins passed away before they can get a transplant. I was lucky enough to get a transplant this past January, which is why I've been out. So I'll be out for the next few months. But to your point, that that experience made me really kind of realize that climate, environmental, environmentalism, and sustainability are so important. They are, a, a, it's a public issue. Uh, I'm, I'm walking, living, breathing of that. It's an economic issue because it's an opportunity for us to actually make money from this transition. And it's a social justice issue because unfortunately, a lot of the communities that are suffering from the impact of of environmentalism, think Cancer Alley in, in Louisiana, think Flint, Michigan, and the water crisis, think Jackson and the water crisis. They're not the ones who are causing it. It's being caused from somewhere else, and they're, and they're, and they're doing it. And again, it's not just Black communities. We look at East pa Palestine that, that just recently suffered some, some horrible effects of, of hazardous materials flying through their area. And so... It's it's poor communities, it's communities of color, it's immigrant communities. And so those are the things that really kind of influenced me to be a champion and a warrior for climate, especially for climate and, and inclusion and diversity. And that's so powerful. I, I, yeah. Um, I, you're, you're, you're an inspiration, um, particularly as a, as a man, young man who went to high school in Riverside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolute inspiration. Uh, what, what gives you, so, so, yeah, that that's the thing. Obviously, that that creates a, a fire. That creates a, a a sense of urgency to work on these problems. But you don't work on something if you don't have hope that you can move the needle. What yeah. what gives you hope that we can actually make a dent in this issue or 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 see a different sort of future? I, I, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny when when I was at Riverside and at Lacey, um, I couldn't pay people to come down and look at our climate focused founders. Like we were the last things on people's list. Um, there was not a lot. There was, there was an investment community around it and a number of investment, but it wasn't as robust as we see now. But I think something happened after the pandemic in, in, in the top of 2020, you start seeing people start thinking about it. And for me, what I thought is people realized that it didn't matter how much money you had on return. It didn't matter anything else. The pandemic slowed everything down. And if the pandemic did that, what could climate do? Mm. And so I think that people started thinking about, okay, we have, we're having this huge issue. We could both make money from it, but we can also kind of, kind of you know, save ourselves from what may happen because we don't want to go through another pandemic. 
than be on a global scale, like what climate can be for a lot of different things, whether it's again, health. And we've been hearing more about bacteria that's, that's incre increasingly growing because the, the earth is heating up faster than what it, ne what it needs. And, you know, this, we're in Los Angeles now and the rain is coming down to fill like 16 Olympic sized pools in the last two days. And so these effects really kind of influence a lot of people in our industry or venture to think about climate and to come this way as well. And so that's what, that's what really gives me hope. The other thing that gives me hope too, is that one of the things I always talk about is that, and I, and I heard this phrase so many times that talent is universal, but opportunity is not. And, and, and I think there are a lot of funders, not just, you know, what we're doing, but, you know, my fraternity brother, Lil Tony, um, first, first close capital and so many others that are stepping in and filling the gap and really kind of putting the checks into people who care, who come from those communities. Like I mentioned, you, you say you came from Riverside, California, for your listeners who, who may not know, Riverside is, is about 40 miles east of LA. So it's not LA, it's heavily Latino, heavily black. And, you know, a lot of people don't associate with venture capital. There's probably one thing they associated with was Coachella. Uh, but you know, we we had Tech Chella when I was there. But what I'm also proud of is that during my tenure at UC Riverside, we made Riverside the number four place in the nation for Black and Brown entrepreneurs by Entrepreneur Magazine. And the reason for that is we understood that in order to move the needle, you need to have capital, people, culture, and and access to customers. And so that's one of the things that we're doing. And, and again, that's what gives me hope because a lot of people are looking at things differently and they're uh, approaching venture capital differently than what it was 20 years ago yeah and no, I, I we we, we uh, up with the capital we talk about impact alpha we also talk about inclusion alpha right and so if if opportunity is not equally equally distributed but talent is like bringing opportunity to that to that talent that doesn't have it is an absolute opportunity like it's an it's an investment opportunity it's an opportunity to move the needle on impact and so, so I think the, the recognition of that in places like Riverside and, and, and communities like the black and brown communities that, that you are investing in, um, yeah, the, the recognition of that is important from both an impact standpoint and then also from an investment standpoint. It's, it's incredibly yeah. important. So Yeah. Our, our pitch in Riverside was, you know, to, in addition to really kind of grow, growing the homegrown companies, and there's a lot of companies that came from Riverside County, a lot of people don't even know. Ampere, which is an electric airplane company, one of the co-founders started here and they were going to have the company here. Uh, XOS Trucks, which is an electric trucking company, also was started in Riverside County. And so there's talent here. And it, again, it's just about access and, and opportunity. But in addition to really kind of growing the homegrown talent, what we did is recruit from the Bay Area. And my pitch is very simple. You can stay in the Bay Area, raise $10 million and spend eight of that on, on housing and salaries. Or you can come to Riverside and spend $2 million of that on housing and salaries and have your 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 runway last four times as long because housing is cheaper there's better situations for your for your children to go to or your your staff's children and instead of paying 300 $300,000 for an engineer uh, up in the bay cuz they need to have that just to live you can pay a third of that in Riverside County and and have just the same amount of talent drive and gusto to move your company forward it, it makes perfect sense and and with our distributed workforce and the flexible working arrangement, it, it makes even it makes even more sense to look at, at new geographies. And so, yeah, no, that's incredible. So where should people, uh, if, if, if we're thinking about uh, doing something with the resources that we have available to us now, and when, like we speaking broadly, that could be um, financial advisors who are listening, that could be uh, high net worth individuals, that could be the fund managers who are listening. Like what resources do we have available to affect uh, both uh, climate change, 
and then also uh, uh, more inclusivity in terms of opportunity uh, to create wealth. What would you what would you suggest people start from where they are? Yeah, I think the one thing all of us have that 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 leads across all of those job categories that you mentioned is a voice, and as a voice to learn, as a voice to promote, and a voice to influence. You know, I used to joke and come, and I still do. Used to call myself the DJ Khaled of client, and and the reason for that is that you know DJ Khaled he doesn't rap, barely produces, but what he does he promotes. He promotes the hell out of people on his records. They take them to number one. And that's why I kind of see my job. You know, I, I'm, I'm no longer, I used to be a founder. I'm no longer a founder. So you hear me uh, shouting out my founders that we've invested in and founders that I just know, um, fund managers that I know that we, we invest in. So that influence is very important. And, and, and I think for for those people in those job categories that you mentioned, there's a, there's a company called My Climate Journey and people should check them out. The founder of that, his, his name is Jason Jacobs. He actually used to be in the footwear business and sold his company Runkeeper to ASICs. And again, totally different industry. Um, you know, had a successful exit, which is kind of sitting around. And he started just learning himself about climate. He he was first. It was just like I, I don't I don't know what this means, and I, I just wanted to to learn and, and see does it make sense? See if what everybody's talking about it is true. And he started this organization called My Climate Journey just to answer questions for himself. And that has morphed into a fund, uh, a podcast, uh, a community, and many things else. So. His, his his personal inquiry started a whole lot of things in venture. And I think the same thing happened, happened to fund managers. Um, the same thing happened to investment professionals that are pushing, pushing mutual funds that have a sustainability bent. Same thing can happen to bankers who are, who are being cognizant about the products that they're using or products that they're selling. It can, be, it can be relevant to just any human being that can think about things differently. Whether it's like sustainable hacks that I'd be wearing all the time that are made out of waste material whether it's low, low water cotton, like the shirt I have on, um, whether it's the food that we're eating, like going to, to Kevin Hart's new place that sells plant-based food, because you know we realize that the growing of, of, of beef and other materials is also contributing to the, to the, um, to the carbon in the air. Uh, whether it's wearing diamonds like these that are made out of carbon, um, there's a whole slew of things that we can do and actions that we can take that can influence other people. And, and I think that we have the tools now to do it, social media, has its good and it bad, but one of the good things it has is that it allows you to talk to many different people at a faster rate with a faster number. Yeah, now call those micro acts of courage. Like that, oh, yeah. a whole there's a whole slew of them available to any of us at any given time. You got to figure out what your one what, what your one percent is. Like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So 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 what should uh any anything that that you would you would ask people to do imparting any any specific micro acts of courage that you would you would offer or or aside from people getting in touch with you and we'll have all your your information so people can find you uh linkedin twitter all that stuff i know you're very active uh anything yeah. that you would offer to people or, or invite for people to do first of all i like that phrase micro acts of courage we need more of that because i think that that's going to help but but i, I was just say you know um everybody can do things that's beneficial and comfortable for them. You don't have to emulate what somebody else is doing. You don't have to, you know, I, I think, I think God made us humans and these humans different for a reason. And so we can all approach the, the pathway differently. But the first thing I would say though, is that just study and learn and see what you see, what you desire and what you know, as an example, you know, we, we look at electric vehicles as, as a part of clean tech, there are some problems with electric vehicles that we know when it comes to the materials that goes into the batteries and so forth. 
But for me, I look at that as opportunities. I look at it as opportunities to where now you can have somebody build something cleaner and, and even more effective than what's currently out there. And so I, I think that um, you have to just take a, a positive stance on it to, to move the needle forward and to begin to do things like that. Um, like you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny, there was a uh, list that just popped up today that says, these are the VCs that don't require a warm intro. And I hate warm intros because my thing is like, if you're requiring a warm intro, you're going to get the same type of things over and over. It's almost just like you only read the books that your friends recommend you as opposed to going out and just, just opening your mind up and going to the library and picking something you've never seen before and reading it. And I think those of us who are in venture, we realize that those new conversations are valuable. To your point, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, um, but like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm on medical leave to April. So definitely forgive me if I, if I, if it's a little bit slow for me to respond, but Twitter also, we, we, for now, I should say that we're all there until we find something uh, other. But I, I think that, you know, I, I enjoy talking to people because I enjoy learning as much as I enjoy teaching. And I think, there's there's a there's a phrase by an economist called Argansky that talks about an organic intellectual. An organic intellectual takes more in than it gives out, right? And so they so for me, learning is is vastly important. But their learning comes from having these conversations with you and many other people to determine what makes sense for the community and the world. Mm. Well, well, certainly, man, appreciate you and the way you move through the community and the world. You come from such a generous place, uh, such a thoughtful place, um, and you're consistently showing up regardless of what's going on. And so thank you for taking the time today and thank you for all that you're doing. Absolutely, man. And I want to leave your your audience with this is that, you know, th this podcast like this is something that really inspires me. And I think that we always have always have to think about uplifting not only ourselves, but each other and, and people and mostly strangers. I, th I think the thing that um, when I came into venture, I think it was a little bit differently. Uh, I'm from the South and we have this thing called Southern hospitality where it, it is about less being a a-hole, but more so being helpful and, and always kind of caring for your next, for your next man. And so I think that if that's one of the traits that we can bring into this space that we both are in, I think venture capital would be vastly different than what it is, what it is and has been. Indeed. Appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Tissot. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and click the notification button so you never miss an episode.